The following show will contain spoilers, but trust us, you'll want to hear about it anyway. What is this? Brave move these people. Back. Welcome to Subversive Cinema. Oh my god! I never forget a face. Especially if I'm sad on it. Howdy do everybody, it's your host Art Hall back for another episode of Subversive Cinema. I am here to be your wrangler of the weird, purveyor of the peculiar, and your diplomat of the disturbing. But today we're actually going to be talking about a film that is surprisingly, I think, the only family-friendly film this entire season. And to help talk about this movie, I have Kelly with me. Kelly, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you? Great. So we're here to talk about a talking cat from 2013. Now, have you ever heard of this movie? No, I have not. And are you happy that I made you watch it? Yes. <laughs> Tremendously. Yes, it was. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. So bringing everybody up to speed, the deal with this show is we're here to break down the weird, the wacky, and the downright wrong entries in cinema history. This one's most certainly going to be kind of in between the wacky and a little bit weird, mostly wacky. So some background on the film from 2013, A Talking Cat was directed by David Couture. I think I'm pronouncing his name right, but he actually went by the name Mary Crawford for this. And the reason was so that he could distance himself from his usual fare, which is softcore gay erotica horror, horror films. Mm. So one thing I've always said from the beginning of knowing this movie was that it always looked like a porn that never arrived. Yeah. I, I mean, the, the, the image quality, the sets, the acting, the dialogue, everything about it was essentially the interstitials between sex scenes and a porn. And now I know why. So yeah, yeah. let's talk about the movie itself. So here the story is you have this father, um, let me get his name here, Phil, played by Johnny Whitaker, and his son, Chris, played by Justin Cohn, who live in this monstrosity of a mansion. Huge. And apparently Phil is this amazing businessman. He just retired, sold himself into the sweet life, and he is now having time to sit back with his son, who is just extra in every possible way. Yep. And then down the road, you have Susan, uh, Kristen DeBell, who plays Susan, and her twin children, Tina and Trent, played by Janice Valdez and Daniel Danas, respectively. And she is a caterer who's not making that much money, yet she has two children who seem to be, I don't know, <laughs> brilliant, but not. It's very weird. And then in the middle of all this, you have motherfucking Duffy, the talking cat. <laughs> don't forget about Franny. Oh, she's just such a footnote in all of this. Franny is there to literally do two things. Make Chris just fall over himself like an idiot and to have the exact same face in every scene. And that is, and she is played by Allison, I think, Psyche, Psyche, Psyche. I'm not sure exactly how to pronounce her yeah. last name. Mm -hmm. But really, the star of the show is fucking Duffy, Duffy. played by Eric Roberts. Uh, and fun fact... If you were listening to this movie and it sounded like Eric Roberts was reading that in a closet or his living room, it's because he was. <laughs> Apparently, he recorded his dialogue in 15 minutes for the entire show from the comfort of his living room. And if you listen, 
he's either hopped up on painkillers or he's drunk. And in fact, there's even a couple of moments where I could hear the pages turning as he was moving his script around. And this, ladies and gentlemen, is the audio that made it into the final film. Yeah. So anyway, point is you have these two families. They desperately need something. And the hook is that Duffy, the magical talking cat, can only talk to a person once. And when he does, he gives them just what they need. And he leads these two families of lost souls to find each other and then make everything fucking sunny. So there's a lot to unpack here. And the goal of the show is we need to figure out what is it subversive sauce, as you saw in the helpful note sheet there. The subversive sauce is what gives it its pizzazz, what gives it its, I don't know. So we're going to figure that out together, Kelly. Are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Excellent. So I would like to know from you, first, what character or characters stood out to you and why? Uh, (laughs) I could stop laughing through the whole thing. Um, That's good. I mean, it is billed as a comedy, so I guess they did the part. I know. I mean, the one... I would have to say Trent really stood out to me, the son of the catering mom. Yes. Because every time he was trying to show emotion, he would have this big sigh. And at one point I was going to go back and start counting how many sighs he did, which was just, and the way he delivered his lines were very, uh, how should I say? Wooden? I, I just, it was, every time he was on, he came on screen. <laughs> he was like, uh-oh, here we go. Yeah, it was his first role. And I, I'm, you know, he just strikes me as the kind of actor who would be in any of the director's other films. He's a young, fit, very attractive young man mm-hmm. who seemingly has no communication skills. Zero. And those 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 kinds of dudes are great for the roles where all they got to do is show up, take their shirt off and make out. Yeah. So he probably want to give him a little bit of a break. Now, from what I've seen on his IMDb, it doesn't seem like Daniel went on to do any other sort of sketchy roles or anything like that didn't have any substance. It, 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 he didn't go on to do just softcore stuff. He didn't do any from what I saw. Uh, he didn't also he also didn't do very much, but <laughs> that might be. I don't know. Well, I guess you got to start out somewhere. I don't know. I, I guess that's where we all start. Every actor. I, um, I also have to say, Chris, the the son of the guy who owned the big house, Phil. Yeah. He stood out to me too because I, depending upon what was being said or what was happening in the scene, I never, I I was on the edge of my seat as to what he was going to say or what his reaction or his facial expression was going to be <laughs> because it was never the same of what should actually happen in the scene <laughs> yeah he was so pleasantly awkward he Everything was he profoundly did. awkward yeah. and there was one section that i want to play mm-hmm. because i found it just so impossibly what is this guy doing yeah okay so i'm gonna play this clip great example of just how what is this guy doing? Like, what did he think? And what did the director think, if anything at all, right. to, to give him this much emotion in something this simple? Dad, Dad, what's going on? No, it's fine. It's just a smoke alarm in the kitchen. Nothing to worry about. Is everything okay? Yeah, I just had a little hiccup with the waffle maker this morning. What happened? I can't make waffles. 
And now we're gonna have to get a new waffle machine, and I'm gonna buy one that comes with directions. Hey, seriously? Okay, that's enough of that. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, yeah, so I love that he bursts onto the scene as if there was his father was screaming bloody murder and as if he's never heard a smoke detector in his life. Right. Just one of the many ways that this kid is 100% extra. And um, you're right. Never know what's going to happen, but he's skittish as shit. He's always scared. He's always nervous. He's always tense. And it's as if he'd never interact with anybody. Yeah. Ever. Yeah. He had no idea anybody's other social cues when they're trying to say throughout, no matter who he interacted with in the film, he had no idea. He was so oblivious to everything. Yes. Every time. Every Mm -hmm. time. And Mm -hmm. you look, look, either this kid is just outright brilliant and fully encompassed this character mm-hmm. and tricked everybody. Or, you know, he's a legitimately good actor, but just like any time a good actor gets on set, sort short of, you know, Meryl Streep or Anthony Hopkins, once you get onto this porn set with the porn cameras and the porn script without any of the porn, there's no saving you. You're going to be bad. I mean, this guy went on, he was on Glee. He was on a bunch of other shit. I don't know. I don't get it. I mean, either he sings really well or what, but something happened and he did this movie. So I just, I don't understand. Wow. Yeah. That is interesting. So anybody else that stuck out for you? Um, I mean, <laughs> I, I, I don't even know where to start. I mean, they all stuck out for, to me for various well, There's not that many casts. So <laughs> oh, I get right. Exactly. The, the dad, see, for as for as smart as he was supposed to be, with his giant house and his corporation that he has non millions of dollars that he can retire, he seemed clueless about everything as well. He just was off in left field most of the time. And then the mom, Susan, I don't know if that that was just the way she did her lines. If it was just bad acting with all the long pauses between things. Um, and some of the stuff that she said like i started writing down crazy lines that oh yes i actually dialogue that i'll be playing shortly but yes like uh, should i say one of them or should i save it for the clips well as long as it's not the cat line it's all good no but i i I probably wrote that one down too no it was toward the beginning when we're sort of you know getting introduced to her character and what she does and she was saying she had to do this catering job and she had, I guess, flip flops on, and she was looking for her sho- her clothes. Yes, she's looking for her shoes. Right, and then so she said she wants to make sure she has toe free appetizers. <laughs> I almost fell off the couch. I had to write that down too. Toe as if she was going to cut a toe off, and the toe was yes. going to flip up and land in the appetizers. So she yeah. definitely stuck out. She actually was the other standout for me. So I had clearly the son, as I mentioned. I also had Duffy because, oh my God, it's a fucking talking cat. It's Eric Roberts, who's clearly intoxicated and he gives zero shits about his work. He was clearly reading his lines because I wrote that down too. I could tell he was legit just reading his lines. He's phoning it in. It was 100% magic. And then, of course, Kristen DeBell and Susan really stuck out for me um because she is like the world's worst caterer yeah <laughs> in the sense like she has not only the smallest kitchen that i've ever seen any caterer use she also apparently seemingly only has one dish and that's mm-hmm. cheese puffs mm-hmm. and 
her fucking daughter makes it most of the time. Right. And on top of that, she uses like huge, huge travel dishes for very small portions. Mm -hmm. And I don't know any caterer who actually mounts the chafing dish into the stand when you're going to transport it. Right. And she just willy nilly put it in the trunk of her car, too. I was like, don't, yeah. don't you need to secure it? It's going to flop around in the. Oh, yes. And it's like, I, I look, this lady, she's been an actress for a long time. All right. I, I was going to ask if she, her face looks familiar. So, okay. One interesting fact about her she had quite a beginning. Mm. One of her earliest roles is in Alice in Wonderland, an X rated musical fantasy. What? where she played Alice. Are you kidding? So she came out the gate starting pretty good in mm-hmm. the, uh, the <laughs> classic film by Bud Townsend in 76. Uh, she went on to do all sorts of kind of schlocky movies, like guest stars here and there. Uh, anything from Chips to, uh, let's see, what else? Oh, she was in Meatballs. That's a classic movie. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, she's been around Days of Our Lives. Uh, but what's interesting is she also found her way, and I think this might be how she got on the director's radar. She was in one of his series of films that always starts with 1313. So some of his movies that are the 1313 series, let me read you some of these titles. 1313 Nightmare Mansion, 1313 Wicked Stepbrother, 1313 Actor Slash Model, 1313 Boy Crazies, and it goes on and on. So maybe that's how she got in with this guy. But I don't know. For someone who's been around for 40 years and more acting, mm-hmm. you'd think it would be a little bit easier. It'd be, yeah. It, oh, just her transition from, I just have to say, everybody in this film, it felt like this was their very first film. I wonder if they literally just use first takes for everything. It's possible, but somebody with her, with, with that much experience, you would know how to do transitions you know, when you're finished with a certain, you know, your dialogue waiting for the other character to, so that was very, that, that's very interesting that you say that she's done that much work. Wow. Well, to be fair, perhaps it's not so much about her, but it's about the editing. Yes. That's another thing too. They could have tightened a lot of that up. Sure. So speaking of some of this wonderful work, let's, uh, let's take a listen at this wonderful sequence where she uh, works very hard to describe what a cat is. Hi there. Is that a cat? Four paws, kind of furry, yeah, I think so. Wonder what it wanted. My stinky shoes, apparently. Can you put that in the car for me, sweetheart? Yeah. Okay, so there's a couple things that happened there that I just noticed the second time watching this just now. First of all, how the fuck does he not know it's a cat? Is that a cat? You're looking right at it. And then she gives like this very smart ass answer, but it's so cute and endearing that it's clearly something only a mother would do. Secondly, did you notice the laser pointer hitting the shoes to keep the cat's attention? (laughs) That's another one. It's And and then (laughs) I'm jumping ahead now to to the what the fuck section, but I have to address this. Then I heard the music in the background and this movie has one thing going on and that is music in nearly every single frame of this film, which is weird. That's weird. None of the music I wrote. That was one of the things I wrote down is none of the music matches anything. 
And I even wrote down what genres each one of the yeah. songs felt like to me. And that particular one, which I'll, I'll play a clip later to clarify so you can hear that particular cut, that is an instrumental re-envisioning of uh, On Top of Old Smokey or like the, the, the you know, the meatball song. Mm-hmm. That's what that mm-hmm. is. Wow. And there's also another version where they do La Cucaracha with like yeah. this MIDI breakdown. And here's what I don't get. The music was made by pr- composer Harry Manfredini, mm-hmm. who is a dude who, who got his start and pioneered cinematic scores for horror movies. He gave Friday the 13th that classic thing. He created that. Are you serious? He did House. He did, he did, oh my God, he did so many movies and like a lot of horror and a lot of good movies. How did they get him to do this? When you go to his website, he doesn't even have this movie listed. Well, of course. <laughs> just, I, I... But it's just like, but the, the quality of the sound of this, this movie is just so bad. The music, it's like this cheap MIDI fake mm-hmm. instrument thing. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. It, but anyway, I didn't want to get into that part of the, the discussion yet because the WTF factor is always my favorite. And honestly, okay. that's going to be the longest part of this entire discussion. Okay. So let's just keep moving on here. Okay. Yeah. So let's just say... She's a, my other favorite because she okay. is just a, a a caterer who no wonder she didn't get the funding. Yep. So pretty much. Pretty much. So what about the story? The story did it make sense to you? Anything uh, just feel a little weird, or did it? Was it pretty straightforward? Do you think? I I don't necessarily see the point at all of number one. Where did Duffy come from? Why did he pick these two random families that? Why did he want to put these two families in contact with each other? So one, he's a magic cat. He comes from wherever he comes from. Two, they needed him. True. Is <laughs> it very far fetched plot? But yes, I guess that would be true. <laughs> but also the fact that there was this convenient magical collar that he just mentions for no reason. That is in the woods. That's allegedly hidden, but actually resting on a rock. Right. Um, yep. And one thing I found to be probably the funniest and most, well, there's so many things that are incoherent about this. Yeah. But at the same time, they kind of they kind of make sense. It's the character motivations don't make sense. Mm. But overall, the trajectory of where things are going, it's cut and dry. It makes sense. Yeah, the one thing like I didn't that. understand why they waited so long to express was the speeding car that almost hit Phil. <laughs> like, you know, if you're doing a Chekhovian thing, you show the gun in act one. Right. So then you're nervous about it the rest of the time. They waited till well into act two to have Phil almost get clipped by this speedy driver mm-hmm. just so they could build up for when. <gasps> Spoiler alert. I think it's hit by a car. Right. But don't yeah. worry, audience. It's not that bad. No, he's just. You're treated name. to Eric Roberts's soothing groans like. Uh, uh. While Duffy is laying on a bed, perfectly fucking happy with one piece of ace bandage wrapped around him. That's barely eat. I almost, I almost spit my pizza out because I was eating while I was watching it. And when they sh- showed a picture of him with that bandage around his head and it was just loosely placed on his head. <laughs> I was like, how is that? Do- how does that help? Oh my God. Oh, I, I, I was watching this and I instantly fell over guffawing and I started crying because the visual was just so unbelievably funny. Mm-hmm. And, and there's a continuity error too that I can mention later if we get to oh, it. Oh, please about, do. Hey. About that magic 
collar mm-hmm. um when they show him when he flops over like after they've t- you know been, they're all fawning over him and you see the bandage on his head and then they cut away back to everybody looking at him then they cut back to him and he flops over he already has the collar on oh. you can see a little of the frayed material kind of poking yeah. out and then you know they haven't discovered the collar yet so i just thought it was funny and it made even more sense when they found it and brought it back and i was like oh they must have shot it all together in yeah. the bedroom and then just didn't realize that oh he's not supposed to have the collar on yet in this shot. well we only have the cat for so many days you know exactly we're out of, we're out of laser pointer time <laughs> yeah that was um <laughs> oh my god yeah this this movie just every every two minutes something like that would happen yep it's a what tf yep so yeah narratively why is this cat coming around to help this dude who's super super rich connect with this family who's super super not but they happen to have a brilliant daughter who comes up with an app that organizes your clothes and helps you get fashion tips but my favorite part about that sequence is (laughs) they write this program and they start scanning in clothing with a book light and they're scanning the tags like the the regular art you know clothing tag tag which has no barcode no information it just says you know what's it made of and your size but somehow in this alternate universe in 2013 every piece of clothing has somehow got an rfid chip in it so this program could figure out what's going to look good for you. And by the way, I did a little math. This might not sound impressive, but this movie is only 85 minutes long. So it's not a long movie. Yeah. Six minutes of it is credits at the end. So now you have a 79 minute movie. Well, I took the entire runtime and I did this. The scanning sequence was two minutes and 10 seconds. It's a two long montage. That is 2.5% of the entire runtime was dedicated to this bullshit montage. This book light. <laughs> with a book light. And the other part I liked too was we just decided to show the audience this <laughs> quote unquote picturesque drive of the mother returning home. And that went on for over a minute. So that's another 1.5% of the runtime. So right there, you have 4% of the movie spent on garbage footage. And then we can't even get into all the establishing shots. There are two locations, both Uh houses. That's Uh it. Uh Yet somehow they managed to eke out 59 establishing shots for two locations. So talk about padding the runtime. And boy, oh boy, it's it's a treat for the audience to watch that happen. Oh, yeah. It is, especially yeah. especially some of the establishing shots <laughs> don't oh, yeah. match with where the two houses are. Not at all. Yeah, I, I no. didn't understand because they would go from showing this lush greenery that felt like it was somewhere in the hills, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, you're seeing palm trees and beaches. I'm right. very like confused. you're in Hawaii or something. Yes. Yeah, right. on where these two intersect. Yep. Now, I did see that they filmed this in Malibu and Silmar. Right. That makes perfect sense because Mm -hmm. everything about her house is completely Silmar, California, Mm -hmm. and everything about his is very much Malibu. Um, To all those people who are not from California, those two places are nowhere near each other. And the topography that you see on display in this film 100% backs that up. Mm -hmm. Yeah, right. And having, yeah, living here in Los Angeles, I actually was thinking her house was somewhere around Topanga Canyon. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. Because that long drive, that establishing shot of her, that long drive, that's Canaan's. 
I've driven that many times. See, they're just shooting it wherever they want yep. and they're making the magic happen because that is the magic of cinema. Yes. All right, so the story is whatever it is. Blah, there you go. Now let's move on to the real fun and scientific part, the WTF factor. So where would you like to start? I don't even, I don't even. You start us off. What was, what was your... Well, honestly, it can go from anywhere from from the very moment the movie begins. The credits look like a PowerPoint transition animation where all the letters drop into place, just like you would do when you're doing a high school presentation. (laughs) And that's when I saw the name of the composer. So in the very first minute, I was like, wait a minute. I know that name. Looked him up. I was like, shit, that is the guy from Friday the 13th. And this is the music I'm hearing behind, you know, for everybody out there, I'm just going to do a little music bed here of these intro credits. So, um, so we can hear that. It's, it's like a jazz club from hell. Um, This is so, yeah. And you know, yeah, I can't. It sounds, it sounds like some 80s music from you know sesame street or something on pbs or something it sounds like to me yeah it's like muzak it's the sort of mm-hmm. stuff you hear in elevators yeah you know and it's just something else i think we're actually gonna have duffy talking in a second here maybe not we'll see how lucky we are maybe we have duffy but yeah i like your woods i always have you don't get me wrong I like to be indoors on a nice fluffy bed as much as anyone, or more than anyone, probably. The audio is so bad. It's yeah. like nobody was mic'd. They're trying to talk throughout that giant house and you hear the sound echoing off of the, the walls. Ugh. That's the other thing is on. it all sounded like it was shot with in-camera audio. Yeah. So there was lots of distance, lots of atmosphere. And what's hilarious to me is that there were two sound recordists credited on this and then a sound mixer and a remixer. And I'm thinking, what did you guys do? Did you just collect a check for doing nothing or did they just make up that credit? You know, I know I, I actually I didn't look up the the music composer because the name sounded so made up <laughs> that I thought it was just it does sound like a bad magician, right? Well, I thought they were t- they were doing a takeoff of Henry Henry Mancini. Oh, yeah. The last name. And I thought, oh, how cute. This like, you know, sort of crappy music that they have throughout the whole film. And then they came up with this really, you know, uh, homage blast name to Henry Mancini, um, which was, you know, a really great, you know, music composer, you know, in old Hollywood. So I can't believe that guy's real. And he's actually done some big, good stuff. Yeah, he has a very reputable past. So look, I mean, this movie's got it all. It has everything. It has, yep. it has, uh, <laughs> it has stilted dialogue that will will bring a, a tear of joy to your eye every time. the The image is so crisp and clean that everything is in focus pretty much all the time, which is always a great earmark of cinematography mm-hmm. and groundbreaking visuals. I love it when it feels like I'm watching a video because that's exactly what I'm watching. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's <laughs> a lot of the a lot of the dialogue is really what just made me, you know, laugh, LOL, quite a bit. Um, yeah. Uh, when um, Phil says to Tina after you know she started telling him about her program, 
and he goes, you're just a teenage girl, right? <laughs> yeah. It's like, <laughs> I feel like people who are, who are saying these words, they're a, they're not looking at who they're talking to. And B, the biggest thing is no one's listening to each other. No. Ever. But I think they were standing in the kitchen and I think he was staring at her and he, he goes, so you're just a teenage girl, right? <laughs> I'm like, what? See, one of my favorite exchanges of just not listening to what happens in the script, and clearly the actors had no issue with this. Uh, I'm going to play this little clip. It's when uh, Phil meets Susan for the first time. And there's the La Cucaracha lady in the background. Hi. Hi. I, I'm sorry. I, I, I was just uh, walking in the woods, and, and I guess I got a little bit... Lost. <laughs> Mug. I'm sorry. I, I'm, I'm not much for, for hiking. Not yet, anyway. Would you like some water? Well, I hate to be a bother, but that would be great. Wait, you're not a crazy person, right? I mean, no offense. My son says I am. I don't think so, so I guess the jury's still out. Okay, first thing I want everybody to pay attention to is he had just said, my son doesn't think so. All right? Mm-hmm. So now I'm going to fast forward just a hair through this, and then we're going to pick right back up. My son doesn't think so. <laughs> oh, you have a son? How old? Oh, you have a son? Were you not listening? He told you when you first walked up to the door. Anyway, yep. there you go. Yep. Oh, that's just one of many. And another continuity thing. She went to get him a glass of water and she filled it up for like all of like a point. Oh, yeah. Seconds. She only did like a she small gave him bit. Like this, but then when he drinks it, like half the glass is full of water. I was like, what? Yeah. Oh, so those things I always pick up on. I just, yeah. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. What else? Oh, my God. There are so many of these that I wrote down. Okay. So there's that one. Um, and I'm just going to jump around. So a lot Please. of, so when um, uh, Chris, because he couldn't, he didn't know how to swim. Yes. And he was, he said he was afraid of pool sharks. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, you're afraid of sharks in your own pool. Pool <laughs> sharks are a very real thing. Kelly, I can attest to this. I have had run-ins. It's terrifying. Oh, I'm sorry to hear it. Me too. <laughs> so sad. Yeah. It was, it was a lot of, um, um things like that plus when he finally went in the pool later with um franny and she said cannonball but yet nobody was jumping in (laughs) (laughs) and i'm like what that's not that's not how you do a cannonball folks that's not how i i love exactly how one not even two-dimensional one-dimensional franny was (gasps) she was she was literally again aside from just like the one face her entire MO was the, the family friendly version of a gold digger. Can I swim in your pool? Hey, it's hot. How about we go swim? You know, before we study, maybe we should go swim. Mm, I could really use a swim. It's like, Jesus fucking Christ, we get it. You love water, and this kid's a moron and he's not picking up on it. I know. It was so tragic. It really was very tragic. Um, <sighs> the I have to talk about the cheese puffs. Okay? Oh, yes. Please it, talk it, about the I cheese puffs. I actually might have a line. Film about the cheese puffs but go on please because for anybody that does not go to trader joe's (laughs) supermarket yeah the cheese puffs in this film you can get in the frozen section of trader joe's 
that's exactly what I thought. I was like, those look like Trader Joe's, the the um caramelized onion cheese. and cheese puffs, right? Exactly right. They're the little the, in the little phyllo dough cups yeah. that you just basically you know bake for all of five minutes or something. Yeah, they're little appetizers. They're very delicious. I've had quite a bit. So when I saw a whole pan of those come out of the oven, I thought, oh my god, those are from Trader Joe's. <laughs> <laughs> so there's that. But then when Susan was in a hurry, when she had to get these, okay, side note. So this big event that she has to like, she, she was made all this food for, that she had to keep driving more food back and forth from her little teeny kitchen to wherever yeah. this event was. When she was in a hurry, um, I wrote down, yeah, when she was in a hurry, he, he's, he, he, uh, Phil shows up again and he wants more water. And she's just like, she's in a hurry, but yeah, she decides to stop go into the house, give him more water. She had just loaded it, in, uh, like a hot tray of it, into her car. And then so she goes in the house and gives him a cup of water. And then they start chit-chatting. Yet, then she takes out another tray in the oven without any oven. I was going to say, she takes the tray out with her bare hands like like a brute. She's just, re- she, that was the most professional thing she did in the entire goddamn movie. That was the only time she was a chef. Pretty much, but, but I was seriously, like, a, a caterer who only makes one sheet of anything at a time. Were there two people at this meeting? I mean, what the hell? I know. <laughs> <laughs> and later on, when they get together, he's sitting there with a plate full of cheese puffs, and it's the same exact portion that you know they're making here. So that I get it. It makes no damn sense. Prop department only had one tray full of those of those cheese puffs because they just kept using that tray. Oh God, I hope that is so true because that means that Phil was eating old, cold ass cheese puffs throughout this. Oh yeah, yeah. And then when when they, I, you knew that tray because they, when she pulled it out of the oven, they had focused so much on this tray. You knew it was going to get dumped. You knew it was going to end up on the of course. Unquote, floor, right? And she was like, "Oh darn!" <laughs> like she, she's so worried about this, you know, meeting. And the longer that all these escapades happen throughout the film, the longer and longer these clients are without this next batch of cheese puffs. And I just kept thinking, what event does she keep running this stuff back and forth to? I mean, is it someone's house? How, how far away it was? That long establishing shot with the car. I mean, I could go on and on and on. And on. I don't think they really sat down the go through it in that much detail. No, I don't think they did either. Um, Just so we uh, can see here, the writer of this particular gem did, ah, the great Halloween puppy adventure. So clearly cut his teeth on some some serious stuff here. Interesting. Um, So yeah, speaking of writing, let's let's hear this uh, this exchange. I, I made a note of this for a reason. Let's see why. Okay. Packs are finishing up. Great. Cheese puffs? They're cooling. They smell amazing. They should. Everything's top notch. <laughs> I'm losing money on those cheese puffs. You have to spend money to make money. To maybe make money in this case. Wow. What kernels of wisdom and snappy dialogue. That's <laughs> now I remember why I pl- I, I picked that. Okay. Mm, I lose money on those cheese puffs. Yet it's her biggest seller. You think she would have changed the pricing? Yep. She is just not a good businesswoman. And let's see uh, what this other gem holds for us here. Has anyone 
everyone seen my shoes? Oh, we already did this one. <laughs> I just marked it down and I forgot about it. Has anyone seen my shoes? And their house is oh, that big. Oh, here. shit. I forgot. The cat does something so fucking creepy. I loved it. Okay. It's when the cat essentially hits on Franny. Do you what? remember what's like the first time she sees Duffy? And okay, yeah. he has this to say. I like cats. Mm, cats like you too. Mm. <gasps> mm, yeah, cats like you too. Uh. Good old Eric Roberts bringing in the creepy. <laughs> That's right. Thank that you, was Mr. the first Roberts. time she saw him outside on the, um, she was sitting on that chair by the pool. Yes. And the cat was just randomly there. That's what Duffy does is he somehow runs between houses with no problem whatsoever. Right. Um, everything about this is just so spectacular. Um, I didn't realize that they were going to animate his, his the cat's face. Oh, yes. With his lips. I thought it was just going to be you, you were hearing the cat's inner thoughts with, you know, Eric Roberts' dialogue. That's how you know when it's a thought versus him actually taking that one time to talk to somebody is right. the terrible animation. I just didn't see that coming. And I went, wait. Did I miss something? Did he? Did his mouth just move? <laughs> then I realized, oh, we're in for a real ride with this. Yeah. Yeah. This 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 piece of cinema is just wonderful. Look, what more could you ask for? You have mostly pretty people to look at. <laughs> You've got some 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 just flat out fashionably bad dialogue, wooden acting abound, yep. terrible camera work. And a stand-up performance from none other than Eric Roberts. It was a delight to watch. I, I think, that, yeah, look, this movie, we're, we're talking a lot of shit, but yeah. I, I've seen this a couple times and I will invariably see it again and again because I'll tell you what I think is the secret of this particular film, Subversive Sauce. And mm -hmm. it's a very key ingredient for a lot of these types of movies. Okay. And it's just simply heart. And I'm not saying heart in the story. It's heart that all these people came together for however much this piece of turd cost. Yeah. And they yeah. came together and they made this movie and it just happened to come out like this. less than stellar. Right. But the intention to try to make a piece of work together is there. And it, it's earnest. It's so goddamn earnest. There's yeah. nothing pretentious about it. There's no putting on airs and trying to be something it's not. Right. It just is exactly what it is. Mm -hmm. And that gives it some zest in my book. So right. I would say I, I have a very arbitrary, no, uh, no, not legally binding standard of, of uh, subversive sauce spiciness here. It's a one to 10 scale. Mm. This movie, was, because it's pretty tame and timid, uh, it's a little zesty, but it's, it's pretty, pretty palpable. I'm yeah. going to have to give it a two out of 10 personally. Nice. I'm going to give it a four. You're giving it a four. I'm giving it a four. Yeah. Well, you know, there was just a lot of laughter to be had throughout the whole thing. Um, yes. And as you said, you know, they were in earnest when they were trying to make something. And as much as I'm, you know, laughing about a lot of it, I always appreciate any creative who's trying to do something because that's more than most, whether it's a complete bomb or whether it works. Sometimes it's irrelevant. It's just actually doing it. So, um, and you know, being an actor, I always, I always, when I see films like this and I see the acting and what the actors have to do, like I'll, I will 
sometimes think, okay, is that the actor doing that? Is that the dialogue doing that? Is that a combination of it? Is it the directing of the way that they want the actor to say those lines? So it can be a combination of if something's really bad or painful to watch, it could be a combination of those too. And so I always put myself in those shoes going, well, could I do any better? Would I be in something like this too? Would I be excited if I were starting out my career to be in something like this just because I'm working, I'm doing something. So I don't always want to make fun of stuff too, but I can also make fun of it as well too, because sometimes it's just no rhyme or reason whatsoever. So a talking cat is, it's, it's, it's magic, it's mayhem, it's wacky, it's weird, and it's just all around wonderful. And as of this recording, you can catch it on Amazon Prime. It's available for rent or purchase. You can get the DVD online. I'm sure you can find that on Amazon proper. And for all I know, it might come back to Netflix. It was on Netflix for a while. So a talking cat, exclamation point, question mark, exclamation point, as you can see in the show title. Make sure you check it out. And stay tuned for down the road. I, I just found out that the director made another talking animal movie in the same year as this one. Really? And it is called A Talking Pony. Oh, <gasps> no. And it stars me. all of our favorites back again. Uh, this time, the actor who played Phil is the voice of the talking pony, Horatio. We have Kristen DeBell back. And... Um, you know what more could you need? And that rounds, there's a cast of seven. So I can't wait. You have to stare at the same actors again, yes. doing their statue acting, hitting their mark and not moving for minutes on end. And this time I'll count how many times uh, Trent sighs before he has to, sh that's how he shows emotion. <sighs> <sighs> well, on that note, thank you very much for coming out and uh, chatting with me about this, Kelly. I appreciate it. My pleasure. Everyone, please check out A Talking Cat. You will not regret it. It's good for a fun time. Have some drinks, invite some friends over and enjoy. And we'll see you next time. If you enjoyed the show, make sure you leave us a review and a five-star rating at your preferred podcast provider. Tell a friend so they can check it out too. And follow us on Instagram at subversive underscore cinema for more content. Subversive, Subversive cinema. cinema.